The Man with the Gun Chapter 12 Mrs. Stella Ryman leaned back in her chair under the skylight in Corridor Park. Her eyes were closed, but she was not napping. On the contrary, she was engaged in detection, sniffing at the air for any odor of fish sticks. An unlikely occupation for a cloudy morning, perhaps, but she was sniffing in order to deduce the day of the week. She concluded that today was not Friday, because Friday fish stick lunches cast an unmistakable atmosphere in Fairmount's corridors, and that particular aura was absent from the morning air. It occurred to her that fishiness was not all that was absent. Where was Thelma Hugh? She opened one eye and looked to the chair on her right. It was empty. She opened the other and looked to the left, where, a few feet further down, the three members of the Greek chorus sat, gossiping and stitching away at the fancy work they brought with them each day. She imagined Thelma, thin and light as a sparrow, tapping blindly through the corridors. What if she was lost? The way Stella herself so often was lost. Stella determined to find her, for even if she herself didn't know the way back, at least Thelma would not be lost alone. She was rising to begin her search when the woman in question tapped her way around the corner into Corridor Park and slumped into her chair at Stella's side. "'Where have you been?' Stella asked. "'I was worried.' "'About me? Ha! I'm never lost. "'I was listening at doors,' Thelma said. "'Somebody new is coming to Fairmount.' The Greek chorus looked up from their embroidery. "'Gossip never comes to anything,' Eilith pronounced. "'We should know,' Lucille said. "'We hear so much of it.' Sally, the nodder, inclined her head. Just then, Reliza hurried past, rolling a laminate bedside table in front of her. Unusually, she didn't pause to say a warm hello. Cheryl, lacking her usual geoconda smile, followed with the visitor's chair in her arms. "'You see,' Thelma pursed her lips, "'they're all nervy as cats. I think we've got a bad one.' "'What do you mean, a bad one?' Stella asked. "'Cranky,' Thelma said. "'Incontinent,' Lucille added. "'And cooperative,' lifted her eyebrows meaningfully at Stella. The nodder nodded. Theo Longborn rounded the corner into Corridor Park. Everybody except Thelma sat up a little straighter. Sally and Stella straightest of all, until Stella, realizing that each was marrying the other, sank back into her chair. Despite his limp and recent health setback, Theo was back to his morning ramble through Fairmount, and this tall gentleman with pale blue eyes and the best hair of any male resident at Fairmount could be counted upon to swing by Corridor Park for at least one visit in the mornings. Today, although the care home's heaters were turned up much warmer than Stella liked, Theo was buttoned into his best yellow cashmere cardigan. With it, he was wearing the lemon-yellow shirt he sported whenever his niece came to visit. Eilith said, Theo, 
Did you hear that we have a new resident coming? There's a real buzz about him. Stella joked. Maybe he's a movie star. Thelma glowered. He better not be a movie star. TV reporters all over Fairmount would never get a moment's peace. You hear things too, Theo, Ireland said. After all, you walk everywhere, all the time. Theo said, I don't... I'll bet you listen behind doors like Thelma, Lucille said. No, I don't. Ollie came round the corner, cleaning cloth in hand. Hello, lovely ladies all, and Theo, my man, you have, he lifted an eyebrow, a visitor. You didn't lift your eyebrow for a niece, Stella wanted to say, but she knew that Ollie enjoyed his joke. Island said, I hear we're getting a new resident, Ollie. What's he like? Lucille asked. Not too gaga, is he? Ollie looked suddenly grim. I wish he was. Excuse me, please. Theo turned to the right and Ollie to the left. Once they'd gone, the Greek chorus stared at Stella and Thelma. My, Ireland said, I've never seen Ollie so serious. What kind of a new resident is going to be among us? Stella blinked. The only empty room I know is room 35, directly across the corridor from me. Island said, Lucky Stella. What if he's a criminal? Lucille asked. My, wouldn't that open all our eyes? Ilith took a stitch. Where do you girls come up with these ideas? Stella said. Nobody would send a criminal to Fairmount Manor. Can you imagine a judge sending anybody here? Ha! <laughs> Cruel and unusual punishment, Thelma added. The Greek chorus fairly glowed with entertainment. He must be too elderly to be much harm, I suppose. Ilith took another stitch. Some people are dangerous at any age, Lucille said. And Thelma grunted. Gotta put criminals somewhere. Why not among us helpless old people? I wouldn't put it past them, Lucille said. But one thing's a comfort. We'll have warning. Stella's closest, so she'll be first. I'm sure they won't let in a murderer, Ireleth said. Well, all I can say is look out, Lucille said. Two steps across the corridor with a loop of piano wire, and that's the end of our Stella. The nodder nodded. While Thelma shook with silent, possibly bloodthirsty laughter, Stella rose in silent dignity. Oh, good. Stella's going to sleuth out the truth about the new man, Ilith said happily. Report back, won't you? Lucille added. Well, Sally the nodder nodded, and Thelma scowled. Mustering what self-possession remained to her, Stella turned and made her way past the Greek chorus and out of Corridor Park. Eventually, she found herself in Daffodil Corridor at the yellow-painted door to her own Room 34, across the way from empty Room 35. No matter what this new fellow was like, Stella told herself, he would be a better neighbor than the bare mattress and empty nail-piercing walls that now occupied 
the room across the way. She heard voices. Somebody, two somebodies, drew near. Chapter 13 Stella stood outside her own room 34 and watched the two men approach. One was tall and one was small. One old, one young. Both wore jackets and slacks that gave them a business-like appearance within the leisure-suit-friendly corridors of Fairmount Manor. They walked slowly and talked quietly. The older man's sports jacket hung heavily against his hip. With an inner chuckle, Stella imagined the Greek chorus believing he carried a gun in his pocket. Whatever the lump was, it certainly spoiled the line of the older fellow's jacket. The younger man's jacket fit no better than his companion's, for it was cut a little too tightly in the shoulders and a little too loosely around the waist. The two men paused by Stella in front of the door to room 35. "'Hello there,' the older of the two men said. "'Are we neighbors?' "'So it seems,' Stella brought out her manners, the way she used to bring out her wedding china, which she had sold for far too little before coming to Fairmount Manor. "'My name is Mrs. Stella Ryman. Welcome to Daffodil Corridor, Mr. Lamoureux, but call me Farley, Stella. Pleased to meet you. The younger man nodded to her and turned around to pull the door open. As he did, his coat swung open, and Stella saw the last thing she ever expected to see in Daffodil Corridor. There was a leather strap underneath the younger man's arm, over top his shirt and attached to that a leather pocket shaped like a Tudor-era codpiece. But of course, it was not a codpiece. It was a gun holster. Without a second's thought or hesitation, Stella darted inside her own room. Chapter 14 The door shut the two men out into the corridor behind her. Stella steadied her breathing and mustered her logic. Question. Why, on an ordinary peaceful morning at Fairmount Manor, would a man carry a concealed gun? Answer. He was most likely either a criminal or a policeman. She peeked outside her door to see that the two men were no longer in the corridor and the door to room 35 was shut. She perched on the edge of her bed and studied her feet in their lace-up shoes, thinking hard. Question. If the man with a gun was a criminal, what illicit gain might he anticipate from escorting an old man to Fairmount? Answer. None that Stella could think of, although having spent her career as a librarian in an elementary school gave her a limited experience with crime, except of the fictional sort. She rotated her feet one way, then the other. Question. If he were not a criminal, he was a policeman. So why did he carry a gun while escorting an old man to Fairmount? Answer. The Greek chorus might have been correct. The old man could be a criminal. The Greek chorus, correct, never. 
Stella scrunched up her face at the thought of Ayleth, Lucille, and Sally's smug reaction when they learned that there really was a man with a gun. Stella concluded that this was not the sort of mystery that she could solve by deduction. It seemed more a problem for discussion. Gossip? Never. Discussion is what she needed with a reasonable person who would not jabber like the Greek chorus or joke like Thelma Hu. Stella knew immediately the right resident for the case. She would talk the subject over with Theo. He would still be with his visiting niece, probably in the dining room where most family visits took place. She couldn't possibly interrupt him, even for something so important. But she had noticed that Theo's niece rarely stayed for long, so she determined to go and see whether he was alone again. Stella walked the long way round to the dining room, avoiding Corridor Park. Presently, she found herself, Alice-like, far from her goal in the less familiar corridors between the office and the activities hall. The walls here were plain buff, like office file folders. A couple of windows, the kind that couldn't be opened, or apparently cleaned, looked out over Fairmount's empty lawn. Next to the window stood Ollie's cleaning trolley, although Ollie was nowhere in sight. She turned and was about to attempt to retrace her steps when she heard Mrs. Perdetta Warren, the director of Fairmount Manor, say, Ollie, come here a moment. Stella was alone in the corridor, but she heard the director's voice quite clearly. The warden must have been quite close, around the next turn of the corridor, just out of sight. Stella froze. Ollie replied, Well, Madam Director, what are we going to do about this new fellow Farley? Stella was confronted with a moral dilemma, for although nowadays the word spy brought clever and sexy James Bond to mind, in Stella's youth, eavesdropping was considered on a moral plane with thievery. However, the man in question was Stella's new neighbor, and there was the fact of the gun, and the warden was the nearest thing to a Bond villain that Fairmount Manor Care Home offered. In such a circumstance, she thought that Bond would have listened too. The warden said, Ollie, I have decided that I would like you to do something extra for me. Something extra? You've already got me doing custodial as well as care work. Mrs. Warren said, Yes, and thank you. I really don't know what I would do if I couldn't count on you to take more than your share of the load. That's why you pay me. Stella almost heard Ollie's shrug. It's good for you, and it doesn't hurt me. Lowly care worker Ollie didn't sound the least bit subservient to his boss. Stella nodded to herself and wished that Cheryl and Ryliza could learn from him. Cheryl, for one, could show more backbone when she disagreed with the warden's orders. And the lovely Ryliza should look the warden in the eye instead of always worrying about being fired and deported. I could just kick myself, the warden was saying, missing that 
particular meeting was a foolish mistake. I was the only person concerned, not present, and the issue most concerns me. Missing a meeting could happen to anybody, Ollie was saying. This is a busy old world. The date just got away from me. I don't know how, she tisked. And because I was the only local care home director not present, they saddled me with Mr. Farley Lamoureux. That's too bad, Ollie said. So I'd like you to make him your special case, Ollie, the warden continued. I'd like you to keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on Farley Lamoureux, Ollie said in a severe non-Ollie-like tone. Nope. Sorry, Mrs. P. No can do. I'm up to my limit already. I'm afraid resident-wise. But Ollie, just this one? The warden's voice entreated. Ollie refused. My union won't allow it. I'm already doing custodial work that's not in my contract. Fine. Mrs. Warren made a hissing sound. Well, then send me Reliza. Reliza can't handle him, nor Cheryl. Well, what about even more money than the usual extra in your paycheck this month? Stella's eyebrows had been rising throughout the conversation. She strained to hear Ollie's answer. Damn, madam, Ollie said. You win. <laughs>